Uh, Tzandaf Membez Omid Beis. We're dealing with the difference between um, re- reason, rationality on the one hand, and philosophy on the other hand. And sometimes people confuse the two, and they shouldn't be confused. Uh, we deal with a posuk in Bamidbar in, in uh, Parshas Chukas. We're talking about the Paraduma. So this is the, the red heifer. And you shall give it over to Elazara Kohen, and you shall take it to outside the camp, and you, it, meaning outside the Azara, outside the Beis Hamikdash area, and you shall shech the paradume in the presence of, of Elazara Kohen. That's the posuk, and the word ota is emphasized in that posuk. Um, and the Gemara brings a, a Mishnah from, from a Sechet Para, Lo Haita Para Rotzalatzet. If they're trying to get the, the, the Para Aduma out of the Besamitish area to go for its Shechito, and it doesn't want to go, it's stubborn. Ein Motsimi Mashchora. You can't get another cow, and sometimes one cow helps the other cow, cow to go out, and the other one's a black cow or some other color. Shaloyam Rush Shechora Shechatu. So that when the, the ashes come back at the end of it, people won't say, maybe that was the black cow that they did. And you take, don't send out another paraduma. So people won't say, they slaughtered two of them. You're not, you're not allowed to slaughter two of them at once. That's, Rebbe says, that's not the reason. It says the word ota, meaning it has to go out. You have to take it out of the azara on its own as a single cow. So what, is the, what do the Chachamim do with the fact that it says one? Man um, Tanakama, who's the Tanakama? Rabbi Shimon here, that's Rabbi Shimon, the Darish Taima Dikra, who learns, the, um, who, who reasons with Psukim when there's a, a law in the Torah, he works with the reason of the law as well. The origin of that is in the Gomorrah and Bov Metziah, where we're told that you can't take the um, clothes of a widow um, as security for a loan. And the Gemara, the Mishnah says the Almona ben Shia ben Shia doesn't matter if this Almona, if this widow is wealthy or poor, you can't take this as, as security. The Gemara says we learned in a Braise. It doesn't matter whether it's she's wealthy or not. That's only Rabbi Yehuda who says it doesn't matter if she's wealthy. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Ashira Memashkinanota, and Yain Memashkinanota. This is a law specifically for a poor widow, not for a wealthy widow. Shatachayav Lachzila. Why is that? Gemara goes on to say that Rabbi Shimon works out that this, the Machlok at Rabbi Yudin Rabbi Shimon is whether Darish Tama decry, whether you can reason with the reasons of a, of a halacha. So Rabbi Shimon says, in the case of the Almana, we're afraid that if she's a poor woman, you'll have to bring back, if you take daytime clothes, you've got to bring them back in the morning. And if you take nighttime clothes, you've got to bring them back in the night. So you're backwards and forwards to her house every night and every morning. And the neighbors will gossip. It's not good for her reputation. So that's how sensitive the Torah is, says Rabbi Shimon. But that's only with a poor one where you have to take it back every night or every day. But if she's a wealthy woman who's got a wardrobe full of clothes, you don't have to take them back every night and every day. So it doesn't apply there. Um, and it, it comes from the uh, from the Brisa where we're told that the king's not allowed to have too many women. Uh, it says that he shouldn't have too many wives so that they don't distract him off the path of Torah. 
says Rabbi Huda, and therefore if he knows that he won't be distracted, then it's fine. The, the problem is distracting himself from the Torah. The problem is not the number of wives. Rabbi Shimon says and Rabbi Shimon says the opposite. So here we've got them reversed. Rabbi Shimon says no matter whether he'll, they'll distract him or not, they're not allowed to do it. The Gemara goes backwards and forwards. It's a very interesting and important piece of Gemara. Um, and, the, and then the Gemara comes to the conclusion that, that in general situations, Rabbi Yehuda does not consider the reasons for a mitzvah. He just, reason, he just works with the mitzvah as it states. And Rabbi Shimon does concern himself with reasons of the, of the, of the mitzvah. What's important to understand is this is not suggesting that mitzvahs don't have reasons. Rabbi Yehuda, and we pass them like Rabbi Yehuda, that you don't use the reasons for psukim. This is not because, because halachot in the Torah don't have reasons. And this isn't because human beings aren't capable of understanding some, some of those reasons. The issue is different, and the Ritvor states it here, where Rabbi Shimon, the Darish Tamid Dikra, perish the Avid Dina Lefum Tamad Dikra Bilchud. A very important Ritvor, because the Ritvor defines what do we mean by whether Darshin and Tamadikra or we don't Darshin and Tamadikra. Do we use the reasons, the philosophic reasons for halacha, or don't we? Says the Ritvo, it means that you pask in a halacha, you use it in halachic reasoning. That's the question. The question is not whether you can think philosophically about a mitzvah, if you can find some, some meaning. We do that every, every morning, we do that. Take a piece of Gemara, sometimes the Gemara is Agadita, but sometimes the Gemara is pure halacha, and we extract a principle. That's the matmon. We extract a principle of life from that. Is that Dashin and Taima Dikra? Says the Ritvo, no. If we would take our reason and now start being Mechadish halachot, we'll start deducing and extrapolating new halachot based on the reason. That we don't do. Even the Rabbonin, you'll often see the Rabbonin using time at They'll speak about the reason for a mitzvah. The Torah itself often gives us the reasons for mitzvahs. But what you won't find with the Rabbonin is that they use the philosophic reason in order to... To, 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 to reason within the, within the, the halacha. And this really defines the difference between Torah orthodoxy and, um, and, and Reformation, uh, wherever you draw that boundary. Uh, to, to the, the one thing we'll, we'll always do, if we're, if we're working with halacha, we work with the principles of halachic reasoning, we don't work with philosophy. That doesn't mean you can't philosophize, you can philosophize as much as you want in a drosha. But when, you, when you're working with psak halacha, then you work with the principles of halachic psak. Otherwise, you, you can go anywhere. It becomes, it becomes a, a little crazy. The Rabbonin hold that the, the, the Torah doesn't make different rules because of different philosophies and different ideas. The principles are, are principles. And so we see clearly from here that there are two disciplines. There's a dis- discipline of philosophy where you can take the, the Torah and you can and you can understand get personal meaning from understanding that, but 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 not to use that meaning in the way you reason halachically. Reasoning halachically has, has to be based on the principles of Londis, of the way you we're, we're taught to learn the Torah and to learn Gemara, and that's why that that discipline is so very very important, and why in the yeshivot today that's where the focus is, because that's where one can most easily make the mistakes. The Rambam says in Hilchos Meilat, end of Hilchos Meilat. You should consider the mishpatim. 
and you should try and understand them. And try to understand their reasoning to the maximum of your intellectual capability. Try and work it out. But when you can't find reason, it shouldn't be any less severe in your mind. And you don't question what Hashem has told us. And that's where the Torah is so different from any other study. Any other study, if you can't make sense of it, then you leave it. It doesn't make sense. With the Torah, that's never the case. You have to try and make sense of it. And if you can't make sense of it, tough. It doesn't matter. It makes no difference. And then he goes on to prove it. And he says at the end, a very classic and important Rambam, because it also contradicts what he says in the Mori Nevuchim, which is a different conversation. And all the Korbanot, we're learning about that in Masech the Yuma, are all part of Chukim. The Chachomim say, the world exists because of the Aveda of the Korbanos. That, that's, it's an energy, it brings an energy into the world that sustains the world and keeps it going. And today we don't have Korbanot, but we have the learning of Korbanot, and that also brings the energy into the world. By keeping Chukim and Mishpatim equally carefully, whether it's a mishpat where you understand the reasoning, or it's a chok where you don't, keeping them equally seriously, that's where you get to chaye olam haba, torat and the Torah has been very specific to, to warn us about the importance of chukim, your life force is dependent on the way that you live the, the chukim. Um, and there's a, a beautiful Chuvus Harashbo in Simon Sadi Dalit, where he talks about even those places where the, Gemara, where the Torah gives us the reason. Then we've got to know that Hatamim Aheme are not Tachlita Kavanabahem. This is not the final reason. If you've got some reason that the Torah gives you, that's not the final reason. The reason that we're given is only one. It's true, but it's only one facet of what the mitzvah really means. And the actual understanding of the mitzvah is far beyond human capability. So we, we get involved as far as we can, but we need to know there's a universe out there that we can't even get to. It's a little bit like exactly like you study astronomy, you study cosmology. You, you go as far as you can go, but you know there's a universe out there that you can't get to, that we don't know. That's how it is with the, with the Torah. And I've spoken recently about the importance of restoring the magic into Torah, that it's, it's become so clinical, it's become so analytical. And of course, part of it is, the, the longest part is clinical and analytical, but restore the magic. And the magic is in understanding the meaning and in knowing that the meaning is far beyond us. It's in immersing yourself into something which is bigger than human intellect immersing yourself in something which no matter how long your entire life, uh, a million people can spend their entire lives to try and analyze and understand the Torah, and they won't touch the surface. That's the magic of it. That's what it is to immerse yourself in something, into something that is much bigger than humanity. And if everything we, we, if we understood everything with clear philosophic reasons and we only reasoned within that, Torah would be very limited. It would be limited to our own intellectual capacity. And it's not. This is the intellect of the Rebbeinu Shalom. This has no limit whatsoever to its intellectual capacity. We can only journey. We can go with it. We can experience it. We can explore. We can adventure. But we'll never get to the end of it and to understand it. And, that, and knowing that is part of the magic of Torah, that we're on a journey that has no end. 
We're on a journey that every single day of our journey, we see the most magnificent sights and we have the most magnificent experiences and we keep on going forward and forward. But when do we get to the end? It's not possible for the human being to get to the end of one mitzvah, never mind of kola Torah kula.